So today we'll be looking at um, the battle for the soul or the battle within the soul. In the brackets, you can put the mind or the conscious mind. The battle within the soul. So when we look at the way God created us, he created us with a body, he created us with a soul, and he created us with a spirit. He created us three in one. Okay? But then when you look at the soul, the soul is broken down into three parts. The mind, the heart, and the will. The mind is what is known as the conscious part of our life. It's also what is known as the conscious what? Mind. So you find that in this mind, what happens is there are thoughts, there are reasonings, and there are imaginations. So now, thoughts come from different places, okay? Thoughts come from ourselves. Thoughts come from the devil. And thoughts come from God. Same with imaginations and reasonings. There are those that come from the devil. There are those that come from God. And there are those that come from yourself. Are you seeing that? So these three things are what happen. Okay, so you find that we have to be careful in order for us to know, is this thought that I am thinking my thought? Is this thing that I'm imagining the imaginations of God? Is this thing that I am reasoning in my mind, a reasoning that comes from a perspective of God? If it is not, then you have to deal with it. You don't have to allow it. You don't have to entertain it. You don't have to accept it. Because the moment you entertain wrong thoughts, as we will see, is they become a part of you. Okay? Because you find that that scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The thinking does not start in the heart. It starts in the conscious mind. It's just that it gets to the heart because it's been accepted by the conscious mind. Okay? So now, if you look at thoughts, imaginations, and reasonings that affect the conscious mind, they stem from the five senses. In other words, in order for something to affect the conscious mind, it comes from the five senses. And the five senses are touching, feeling, smelling, sight, and hearing. Touching, feeling, smelling, sight, and hearing. For instance, they've cooked nice, nice chicken with a nice dish of rice. And you haven't yet seen that thing, but you know the way chicken smells. And what happens in your mind? You then begin to picture the dish. Are you seeing that, yeah? The way blind people see is when they touch you, when they touch your face, when they touch notes, they're able to feel. And then their conscious mind now tells them, this is a five-quarter knot, this is a ten-quarter knot, this is a hundred-quarter knot. Are you seeing that? Are they seeing it? No. It's coming, it's projecting where? In their mind. But from what they are feeling. Are you seeing that? And then we have, oh, we've already, then we have sight and hearing. 
These two are the greatest of all the five senses. And these two are the ones that the, both God and the devil tends to use. Okay? So I will not dwell on the other, other things that explaining them, other senses, but I will mostly explain the hearing and the seeing. So let's go to the book of Mark 4 verse 24. Mark 4 verse 24. And it says, And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, with what measure ye mete, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. So in other words, you have to be careful what you hear. Okay, because this was Jesus Christ warning them. Okay? He was warning them to say, you should not be listening to everything. You should be careful to what you are hearing. Because with what you are hearing, it will project in your life. But we won't look at how it projects in your life. We'll do that later on, okay? Let's also go to Luke 8 verse 18. Luke 8 verse 18 and it says... Take heed therefore how ye hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which, seem, what, which seemeth to have. Amen. So if you look at it in the book of Luke, he was talking about the mysteries of God, and he was saying you have to take heed that you hear. Okay? There is hearing and there is listening. Do you know the difference? What is hearing? Uh -huh. Okay. You can. So by listening, you may not gain an understanding. For instance, you listen to music, but it's not all the music that you understand. Are you seeing that? Yeah? So then so you are just listening, you are just listening to the beat. And you are not hearing the message that it is bringing. So hearing is where you are understanding and you have the attention towards what is being said. But listening, yeah, something else. Okay? So who you are listening to and what you are listening to eventually makes you who you are. So many people, they say, ah, I don't know how I started drinking. I don't know how I started smoking. No, it's not that they don't know. It's just that they were listening to bad advice. It's just that they were listening to music. It's just that they were listening to other people and other things that began to influence their lives to do those things. I remember when I, when I, when I started my journey as an addict, okay, it all started with what I was hearing and what I was seeing. But I'll focus on hearing because we're on hearing. So what happened to me is I used to listen to songs, secular songs, hip-hop songs, and there was nothing wrong with it, according to me. But then this is now where the wrong part was. So the songs that I used to listen to were talking about drugs, sex, and money. And guess what I started craving? Drugs, sex, and money. So that also now became my lifestyle. Why? Because I kept on listening to that. And I usually give an example of, uh, to other people to say, have you ever noticed that you may not be depressed, but you listen to a depressing song and you find yourself depressed? Ah, 
why, why does that happen? It's because of the thing you keep on listening to. And many people take it lightly. It's just a song. No, it's not just a song. It's programming you to become what you are. It's programming the state that you're going to be in. Amen. So you find that many people who say they are depressed is because they are listening to depressing songs. Many people who may say that I don't feel loved is because the people they are listening to don't feel loved. And so even as they are singing, they are singing songs to say, the world doesn't love me, people don't love me. So I'm going to hang on myself. That's what they say, but they miss the message. Okay? Because the message that you are listening to determines who you become. It's just a song. Hey. Hey. Okay. Are you seeing that, yeah? So people keep on taking things casually. That's why even in their Christian walk, today they are on fire, tomorrow they are cold. What's happening? Why are they cold and warm at the same time? They keep on listening to wrong people. I was asking my brother the other time, uh, one of the other guys from this fellowship, not the one that you know, he pierced recently. So I asked him, why did you pierce? I just felt like, I'm like, I know where this feeling comes from. Because he listens to worldly music. So I was just like, okay. Stop talking much these days. Okay. So Ephesians 5, verse 6. It says, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Are you hearing? Because this was a caution to say you are to ensure that the words that people are speaking to you, those vain words do not get to you. Because it is through these words that are spoken that God becomes angry and upset. Why? Because the words that you take heed, that you listen to, eventually become, make you become. Okay? So you find that when you listen to the wrong words, to these vain words, they take you far away from who? From God. Are you seeing that, yeah? Okay. So let's go to Matthew 24, verse 4. Mujin <laughs> Oh, it also says the same thing. Take heed that you are not deceived. Oh, no, it says wait. So it says, uh, Matthew 24, verse 4. It says, and Jesus answered them, take heed that no man, what? Deceive you, right? So what does deception look like? Deception looks like the devil speaking to people. This is right, you know? Making sin look as though it's right. So you find that that's what happened in the garden of Eden. The devil spoke to Eve and deceived Eve. 
to do something that God did not that God did not accept or approve of. So in Matthew 24, verse 4, it's warning us to say, Take heed that you are not deceived. Why? Because the devil is a deceiver. Okay? That's the greatest strength of the devil, it's deception. Deception is simply he can use truth, he can use fact, he can use situations to speak to you words that draw you far away from God. Even these people who justify music to say, okay, worldly music is okay, it's because the devil has deceived them to become comfortable in the situation that they are in or what they are listening to. Because through his speaking, he made Eve become comfortable in disobeying God. So imagine through his speaking, he made one third of the angels to fall. So through his speaking, he can make people follow. It's not your friend. When it comes to what he says, use scripture or Jesus. <laughs> so you have to take heed what you are hearing or who you are hearing from. Amen. So we said there are five, the, the, the conscious mind is affected by five, right? So we said we've done majority of these. So now we've done hearing. So now let's do sight, okay? Sight is what made Eve fall. The devil spoke, yes. She entertained the thought, yes. But her falling was not because of the hearing. Her falling is because of the seeing. Because the Bible says she saw the fruit that it was good for food and one to make one wise. Yeah? And when she saw that it looks good, and she went and ate. In teaching of the difference between seeds and weeds. Juice always looked nice, yeah? Water didn't look nice. Just plain. It looks like the glass itself. Especially if you put it in a glass that's see-through. So you find that mostly the devil will like you to see the juice. So that you can take the juice, but you need water. That is life. Okay? Let's go to Matthew 5, uh, verse 27 to 28. Hallelujah, you have won it all for me. So Matthew 5, verse 27 to 28. And it says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that what whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Amen. So it means when you see something and you desire that thing, what, what happens? That's what Jesus Christ said. But when we look at the heart, you understand why Jesus Christ made such a remark. Because they were just looking at the battle in the mind, in the conscious mind, in the soul. Okay? Because most people think as though it's only battle starts only on the outside. I die enemies by fire. Yeah, die. The greatest battles that happen are the ones within. If you can win the battles within, then you've won the battles on the outside. Amen. 
So now you find that the, so now this is now takes us to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 So 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 verse 3 to 6 Oh, second Corinthians. Yeah. So I was reading, it's not making sense. I'm like, yeah. Amen. So the scripture says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the what? The flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of who? Christ. So it's talking about warfare. It's saying we do not war after the what? The flesh. And then now it says our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then now it talks about imagination, thoughts, and reasoning, right? So now in what area of our lives do those thoughts, imaginations, and reasonings take place? In the mind. Are you seeing that, yeah? So that's why when I say warfare does not begin first on your knees, it begins in your mind. This is what the scripture is saying. Because most of the times, in our Pentecostal circles, enemies die by fire. And the enemies are watching you and they're saying, in as much as you are telling us to bend, just wait. Please mess up with your mind. Amen. So you find that the thoughts are in the mind. The imaginations are in the mind. The reasonings are in the mind. Amen. So you find that it is not every thought that you think that is your own. It is not everything that you are imagining that is your own. It is not every reasoning that you are reasoning that is your own. Why? Because the devil can plant these in you. That's what this scripture is also saying. Imaginations, thoughts, strongholds, reasonings. And the Bible there is telling us to cast them down. Cast them down. Hallelujah. So now, the devil has an agenda in all these. Planting of thoughts, planting of imaginations, planting of all these other things, okay? So the devil's number one agenda is to intimidate you. The first thing the devil will ever do is intimidate you. What is, do you know what to intimidate is? Give us, give us the one that you know, the, 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 the definition of intimidation. You don't have, what is intimidation? Aha, uh-huh. scaring someone. So in the streets, they scare you. That's what? Intimidation. So you find that the devil's number one strategy in warfare is intimidation. First Samuel 17. You read that at your own time. But I know you know the story. It's the story of David and Goliath. Many people, when we read, we don't see the warfare that took place before. We only see the warfare, David got a slingshot and hit it, and Goliath fell down. That's not what happened. 
The children of Israel were intimidated so they couldn't face Goliath. Because Goliath was speaking words that were causing the children of Israel to what? To fear. So that's why none of them was able to march and go fight who? Goliath. Even when David came, the first thing that Goliath did was try to intimidate who? David. Are you seeing that? That's the first arsenal the devil uses. He tries to what? Scare you. Why does he scare you? Because the thing that you are afraid of sometimes tends to manifest through your life. The devil does not have creative powers. Oh. No angel has ever created anything. Have you ever seen any scripture that says angels create? No. Who creates? God. Who else? You. Because you are made in the image and likeness of who? God. Because Job feared, he said, the thing that I feared the most has happened upon me. Who was manifesting the thing that Job feared? Is it the devil? So if the devil can succeed in planting the thought of fear in you, then he can succeed in limiting your life. Then he can succeed in stopping you from progressing. Then he can succeed in making you fail. So even if you fear failure, just know that the devil has already planned a way for you to fail in as much as you have studied. Because why? That's the devil's number one asset. Fear. That's why the Bible says he does not give us the spirit of what? Fear. So that's why you plant thoughts, you plant imaginations, you plant reasonings. For instance, you plant an imagination somebody has died in your family and you become afraid. That person is alive. But what is he trying to do? Trying to create events. Hallelujah. This is, you have to be smart. This is how the devil works. When you started praying, what was the first thing that you were feeling in your prayer closet? Isn't it fear? Like there's somebody who's even with you trying to kill you. Eh? when you know that you are going higher in prayer that's the time things just begin to appear you begin to feel things why? what's the essence of that? the warfare it all starts in the mind it's trying to plant what? fear don't worry we'll get to how we win victorious amen so you plant thoughts, you plant imaginations you plant reasonings so if some, something appears in front of you and you're praying, boom you just say, I'm going to die. Even become afraid. Even stop praying. What is the first strategy? Fear. Have you seen that? Eh? Because the moment you see something, don't forget the thing just clicks automatically in the conscious mind. When you hear something, the thing just automatically clicks in your conscious mind. It will click either as a thought or as you begin to debate now. Is this this or is this? Have you seen that? Yeah? So if intimidation fails, then the devil sends what we call familiar spirits. If the devil fails to, 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 to intimidate you, he fails to plant thoughts of intimidation. He fails to plant thoughts, sorry, imaginations of, of things that are intimidating to you. What does he do? He sends what? Familiar spirits. So familiar spirits come and work on you by exploiting your weaknesses. So the weaknesses that he may exploit may not only be your weaknesses, but the weaknesses of your ancestors. 
So if your ancestors used to be drug, drug addicts, what does it do with you? He makes you become a drug addict. How? By programming those things where? How does he do that? Drinking is not bad. Just one bottle and your problems are gone. Come on. Look, your uncle is not dead. He's doing well. He even gives you points of what? Reference. So that's what familiar spirits are. Them, they don't play around. They just come and they swear that they will work on you. At this level, that's where many Christians feel. Why? Because the enemy is working on their weakness. Okay? Let's go to the book of James 1, verse 12 to 14. John James. Um... One James one verse twelve to fourteen. So these familiar spirits are they don't play. So that's why I tell people sometimes when you have weaknesses, pray against your what? Weaknesses. Pray that God grants you grace to deal with your weaknesses. Because the reason you are going to fall is not because of your strengths. No one has ever fallen because of their strengths. They fail because of their weaknesses. And certain times the way God is, He won't deal with your weaknesses. He just grant you grace. Hallelujah. Blessed is a man that endures what? Temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord promised to them that love him. Uh, sorry, let's start from here. Let no man, yeah, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of who? God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn from his own lust and what? Enticed. Are you seeing this? Eh? Enticing, what does enticing do with? Isn't it words? Enticing deals with words. Last sometimes deals with what? Eyes. That's why Jesus Christ in the scripture to be read, he says, whoever looks upon a woman lustfully has committed what? A doubter. Have you seen that, yeah? So a person is drawn from his own lust and what? Enticed. Have you seen that? So it means the devil will make you see and will make you hear. Is the, because the devil is the one who what? Who tempts, not God. Have you seen that, yeah? But the devil will send what we call what? Familiar spirits. Because they are the ones who know your lust. They are the ones who know your ancestors' lust. They are the ones who know your ancestors' desires and weaknesses. Have you seen that? Because remember the Bible here said, by his own what? Lust. And is enticed. So it means, other versions say, by his own weaknesses. Have you seen that? Yeah? That's the way it is. So that's what the familiar spirits would do. So what is the agenda of the devil sending wrong thoughts and images and ideas? So that was him sending them, but this is now the agenda. One, he seeks to strike you with confusion. When the devil is sending wrong thoughts, wrong imaginations, wrong reasonings, he seeks to make you what? Confused. 
And confusion leads to what? Insanity. You know that, right? When your mind is so confused, you sometimes act as though you are what? Mad. So it's not every mad person that you see on the streets that's mad. The face began with confusion. Okay, one get into it. Okay. Okay. So what happened, uh, several other people that we've prayed for, is they used to ukufulungana a bit. Then they don't know how they would find themselves in a particular place, about to be almost bashed, about to die, about to happen, all these things. Okay? And you find that they were confused. Confusion happens where? In the mind. Have you seen that? Certain times you use scripture to confuse you. I'll give an example of the people who, who's, who, who justify drinking. The Bible says, enjoy your youth while you are young. The Bible says, be, huh? the Bible says what? Jesus turned water into wine. What else does the Bible say? Yeah, drink but do not be drunk. I see, they are using scriptures, right? So the devil is confusing what is true in order for it to be false. And so you find that other people as they are thinking about this and overthinking it, they go mad. That's why the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. Number two, he seeks to deceive you. That's the agenda of the devil sending wrong thoughts. If you look at Genesis 3, deception happened. He deceived Eve. So the essence of deception is that it leads to disobedience to God. When you are deceived of a person or something else, what happens? You end up disobeying who? God. Because Eve was deceived by the serpent who was Satan. And then what led, What happened afterwards? They disobeyed what? God. So in this deception, what happens is he tends to ensure that you doubt the genuinity of God's word. He wants you to doubt. Okay. Number three, he seeks to distract you or shift your focus. Okay? He seeks to distract you or shift your focus. When God is taking you somewhere, he gives you a direction, right? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, right? So if you are going to a particular destination, you have to focus on that particular what? Way. What happens when you go to the left? Will you reach your way? For instance, I want to go to Cosmopolitan. And instead of me going to Cosmopolitan, so even when the devil is planting thoughts, imagination, and all these things, what does he seek to do? To distract you. So that you lose your focus from where you are going. Okay? Then number four, he seeks to make you feel fear. We've already spoken about that at length. Number five, he seeks to want you to worry or be anxious. That's the agenda of the devil when he's playing with your mind. So he seeks to make you worry and be anxious. Number six, he intends to make you speak negative. 
when you he intends to what? Make you speak negative. Remember, I said the devil does not create, right? He doesn't. In the Bible, there's no way the devil created. The devil manipulates. Besides manipulation, the devil organizes situations and circumstances around you, but he also controls the minds of individuals. So the one who has creative power is you and me and God. Because we are made in the image and likeness of who? God. So now, there are certain things when you start thinking, there are certain things when you start imagining, there are certain things when you start reasoning, you start speaking. Isn't it so? Eventually. Okay? So when he makes you speak, the purpose of the speaking, firstly, is that you may be the author of your own destruction. The Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? But imagine certain people are the weapons that are formed against them that's hindering them from prospering. So the weapon that's formed against you from elsewhere cannot prosper. But the weapon that you create for yourself to destroy yourself shall prosper. So he wants you to be the author of your own destruction through your speaking. Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that eat, that eat from it shall partake of the fruits thereof. Right? So when you speak negative in your life, what happens? Negative results. When you speak destruction in your life, what happens? Destruction. Have you seen that? And number two, the reason why he seeks to make you speak negative is that he may use what you have said against you in the courts of heaven. He may use what you have said against you where? In the courts of heaven. Heaven has courts. And that's why in the book of Job it says the devil appeared in the what? Courts of heaven. So now what happens in the courts of heaven is the devil is the accuser of the what? Brethren. In order for somebody to accuse you, they must have evidence of the wrong that you have done. So now he takes your words that you have spoken and presents them before God and says, God, your son said this. So now here's our verdict. Here's how we're going to do this. That's why we call Jesus our advocate and we call the devil the accuser because it's a court, there's a court session involved in heaven. Okay? That is when you begin to understand the court, the way it operates in heaven. Okay? How to win the warfare in the mind, in the conscious mind? One, avoid exposure to wrong media or bad media. So in other words, don't watch or hear things that will create appetite in you to do something wrong. So do not watch or hear things that will create appetite in you to do what? Wrong. Do not watch or hear things that will create appetite in you to do what? Wrong. 
So in other words, like the example I gave about music, other people, it's okay to listen to what music? They listen to people who smoke. What happens eventually? It will affect you to begin to what? Smoke. You're listening to people who are depressed, especially the depressing part. You're listening to people who are depressed. And they were better again. Next thing you know, they were kind of depressed. I don't know why I'm depressed, but oh, coming from what you're hearing, amen. So don't watch what will cre- don't watch or hear what will create appetites in you to do something what wrong or to do something against the will of God. Number two, spend time in the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. The only thing that I fear, especially amongst Christians, is not many read their Bible. Read your Bible today. Have you read your Bible today? Huh? Yes. No. I don't also read. But the day hasn't yet ended. Amen. So many believers don't take time to read their Bible. I loved what my friend had said once. Said in the group that he has. He had posted a teaching, a wonderful message, and deliberately added a scripture that doesn't exist. And people did not go confirm whether that scripture existed and whether whatever he was saying was true. And they forgot about it. And they were posting powerful, amen, glorious word. He did not read. He was just commenting. So the danger of that is you can be deceived. Because remember, the devil was using scripture, isn't it so? But his understanding and revelation of the word was not in accordance with God. It was in accordance with his own what? Understanding. Because understanding is at three levels. There's even a scripture in the Bible that talks about understanding being at three levels. One is an understanding that you have as an individual. That's why the Bible says, lean not unto your own understanding. And then there's an understanding that comes from God. Have you seen that, yeah? And then there's an understanding of who? Demons. Have you seen that? So as you read and meditate upon the word of God, that's why we pray in accordance with Ephesians 1, verse 17 and 18, that the eyes of your understanding may be what? Open. Because remember, you may be reading the Bible and you think you've gotten revelation. Can't see the devil has planted thoughts in you saying this is how the scripture is. How do you think those who say, drink, but be not drunk, get to that point? It's because he's given them his what? Understanding. Moreover, they were also looking for them to understand that scripture in the same what? Manner. Okay, so meditating upon your word, reading it, spending time in the word. Let your word life be great. Okay? Number three, strategic prayers. So now this is prayer for grace, because grace is not just unmerited favor. That's a wrong position. Because Paul says, Lord, remove this stone from my flesh. Now, do you need favor for him to remove that stone in his flesh? No. 
Have you seen that? Yeah? It says, my grace is sufficient. Is it my favor? It was, grace is simply the ability that God has poured upon you of his spirit to enable you to do that which you cannot do or to enable you to be who you cannot be naturally by your own default system. Okay? So when he says, my grace is sufficient for you and it is made perfect in your weakness. God in Nehemiah said, I, when you are weak, I am what? Strong. So it means it was the pre- his presence that was there within Paul's life. That would ensure that in as much as Paul had that weakness or infirmity, he was still able to stand. That's what the grace entails. Because God was with him, even through that situation. Amen. So, you pray strategic prayers. Among the prayers that we pray, it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, right? It says, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. To the pulling down, so you can pray and say, Lord, I pull down every wrong imagination. I pull down every stronghold. I pull down every reasoning that is not in accordance with your ways. And the enthroned Christ in my mind. You pray like that. If you mean praying it every day, you pray it every day. Because the direction of your thoughts determines the direction of your life. When I used to be, an, when I started out as an addict, no one is born with a bottle of alcohol. Have you ever seen a baby born with a bottle of alcohol? No. Have you ever seen a baby born with a, with a cigarette in their heart? No. What happens is they begin to be programmed into it, right? Through their thoughts, through their imaginations, through their what? Reasonings. And then what happens, that becomes the center of direction that they are what? Taking. That's why I say your thoughts determine the direction of your life. Not so you find God may prophesy, may speak right into your life, but provided you do not follow the direction that he's giving you, will you arrive at the destination that he's given you through prophecy? No. Why? Because your thoughts must be aligned to that which he is doing. Amen. So strategic prayer. And then number four, association. Who you hang with? Who you with? Who's your best friend? Who are you hanging around with? Have you ever heard that saying, beds of the same feather flock together? So now imagine, eh? There's this boy. I said, imagine, eh? <laughs> no, no, not, not that. <laughs> so imagine, there's this boy. He, he goes to school. And at school, he has friends that drink. He has friends that smoke. And some of them sell drugs. His friends get caught. Are you listening? His friends get, get caught. And then the teachers now say he also was a part of them, but he doesn't do what they do. Do you think you can believe that boy? No. Why? Because by the fact that he's hanging out with them, what happens? You judge him to say, by implication, you do what they do. Even if you don't what? Do. Birds of the same feather? So anyways, let's get to the scripture. By association, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Eh? Oh, okay. 
1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Other visions say, bad company what? Have you seen that? So does, if you look at company, do you know that every person you hang out with has got a measure of the spirit, whether it be the spirit of God or the spirit of the devil? Do you know that? Because the Bible says, he who walks with the wise in turn becomes white. Wise. Does it say talking? No. Does it say talking, right? It says walking, right? So when I hold her hand and we begin to walk and we're not talking, it's saying she will become wise. Right? So it means the association that you go with, if you keep on walking with the wrong company, what happens eventually with you? You eventually tend to the other side. If you look at God, God, when he told the children of Israel to say, when you go to the promised land, ensure that you destroy all of them. Otherwise, they will corrupt you. You begin to save their gods. And they did not listen. They left some other people. So eventually what happened? Those people who were in that land, some of them, begin to corrupt the children of Israel. And they begin to save the gods of, the tr- of what? Those people. Instead of God in Heaven, the one who set them free from what? Egypt. So who you hang with, you have to be careful because everybody carries an atmosphere. Let me give you another scripture. So, in the Old Testament, meets the prophet Samuel. Samuel tells him to say, when you go from this place, you shall meet And when you are present in their presence, you will begin to prophesy. Not that so was the what? It was the presence of those prophets that he began to what? So he was not a prophet. But at that moment, he became a prophet by what? Association. Associations, you have to be careful. Choose your associations prayerfully and carefully. Because sometimes we Christians are casual. Oh, he's my friend. He's a drug dealer and he's your friend. Oh, he's my what? He's your best friend and he's doing wrong things. Associate. So imagine if certain things worked for the positive because they were just in the company of people. Now imagine the negative. Your drug dealer eventually will become a drug dealer and you never know how he became them. I'm very careful and particular with my friends. I have very minimal friends. But I choose prayer fully. I can hang out and greet everyone. Hi! How are you? We hang out just for a bit but I won't stay for long. One of my friends at school once asked me to say, you know, I noticed, she was saying, you know, I noticed um, for you, like, I don't know how or why, but I've noticed that I can see that these people hang out with party A, like this is a group that they hang out with, and these people hang out with party B, and these are the people that they hang out with, but for you, I've never seen that. 
in my heart, I, in my heart, I responded, I can't never do grouping. Because I don't know what atmosphere people want. God. Jesus Christ was particular, so he spent most of his time with the twelve. Apart from the twelve, he spent more time being alone. As I say, be careful who you hang with. In a song I once heard, you are who you hang with. Isn't it so? You are who you hang with. The other quote it says, Show me your friends and I'll show you your. So, association is very cardinal, especially in matters of warfare. Because if you have a wrong friend, you find that the devil will use that wrong friend to beat you consciously. Because remember, they will speak into your ear. Are you seeing that? Eh? Delilah spoke into Samson's ear for Samson to reveal his weaknesses, right? And what happened to Samson? They cut off his hair. He um, shortlisted and aborted his mission that God had given him. As we see, so the devil sometimes will use your friends. So check your friends. Are they living in accordance with the will of God? Or are they living in accordance with the worldly principles? They are living in accordance with the worldly principles. Just say hi, hello, nice to meet you. You can talk a little bit, but don't fully engage yourself. Okay? Number five, you win the warfare in the mind by speaking well. Proverbs 18.21, we've already read that, right? Death and life are in the power of the, of the tongue. But let's go to Joel 3 verse 10. Joel 3 verse 10. Joel Obadiah King and Mika. Joel 3 verse 10. Plowshares into swords and your pruning shooks uh, into spears. Now, this is my, my, my part of the emphasis. It says, Let the weak say, I am. Let the weak say, I am. Let the weak say, What? Are the weak strong? Are you hearing what the Bible is saying? Are the weak strong? When the Bible is saying that, no. He's saying, Let them say that they are. Sure. Ever wondered why? And then there's another scripture. Let the poor say, I am. Is the poor rich? Why should they say? Why should they say, I am strong? Uh, there's power in your what? Tongue. Because when you speak something, you grasp it yourself. 
Because do you know that you are the only one who can change your life? Okay, no, let me say it like this. There are certain areas of your life that you need to be the only one to initiate change. Because no one will change you unless you choose to. For instance, people used to preach to me, change, stop this, stop that. Living in the world like this, ah, you die. Nothing worked. I think today I was teaching someone to say, imagine somebody went to evangelize to Apostle Paul, the time he was still so and killing the church. What you're doing so is wrong. Do you think so would have listened to the same one? He wouldn't have. So it took God for him. And then now it took his confessions, him speaking. Okay? What you speak determines your life also. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the book of Numbers, God said, in Numbers 14, he said, Whatsoever I shall hear them say, that shall I do unto them. Hey, imagine. Prayer is just not our Father in heaven, our Lord be the... Uh-uh. It's also what you are. What you are saying, what you are speaking. It's also what? So be careful what you So this is how you win the whole family, man. So when you think negative, speak positive. When you think failure, speak success. When you think you will not make it, speak you will make it. Because your mind, remember, the gateway to your mind is what? Yes. Your eyes, these are the major ones. And the other ones are mine and we've explained why. So the devil is after your soul. The devil is after the souls of men. And the greatest way he wins the souls of men is through hearing and seeing. Are you seeing that? And the battle is in our mind. The greatest way to win it is through these strategies I've given you. Hallelujah.